<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, friends, and welcome to this special edition of the Bill Press Pod. On July 17, the House of Representatives voted to kill a resolution to impeach President Trump, even though 95 Democrats voted for it. But those Democrats did not give up. They were counting on Special Counsel Robert Mueller in his testimony before the House Judiciary Committee and the House Intelligence Committee to provide important new evidence to support their impeachment crusade. Did he? Did Mueller provide Democrats any new ammunition, or did he fail to deliver? Did he strengthen the case for impeachment or weaken it? We asked Congresswoman Maxine Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee and leader of the pro-impeachment forces in the House. In fact, she was the first Democrat in the House to call for Trump's impeachment. We sat down with Chairperson Waters in her House office just a couple of hours after Robert Mueller wrapped up his testimony. Madam Chair, it's always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Bill. It's been a while. I'm delighted to be with you. So ever since the Mueller report came out, everybody has wanted to hear from the horse's mouth what the (laughs) Mueller report actually says. Now that we've heard from the horse himself, uh, do you think Robert Mueller... Uh, slowed down the movement toward impeachment or maybe gave it a little more a little more heft? No, even though uh, Mueller uh, referred to the report an awful lot, I think just hearing him confirm certain things, yes, no, yes, as I said in the report, I think that is very helpful for many people who did not read that report. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think most people haven't read the full report And I think seeing his face and having him confirm uh, something yes or no, uh, I think is very helpful. So, uh, of course, President Trump has said since the report came out, uh, the report proves that there was no collusion whatsoever. Well, uh, the president of the United States is a liar, and he has no respect for the people, and he will say whatever he thinks serves him at the time. And so I'm not surprised that he continues the lie of uh, having been exonerated, uh, no collusion, no obstruction of justice. I'm not surprised at that. But it's going to catch up with him eventually. And he also says, of course, there was a, the report shows no obstruction yeah. <laughs> and totally exonerates him. Yeah, that's an absolutely not true. As a matter of fact, uh, the 10 points or so on obstruction of justice um, I think certainly points out exactly what he did. And I think just hearing that said over and over again helps people to understand that it is serious and that perhaps he should be impeached for it. One point made by several Democrats on the Judiciary Committee was that if anybody else had done the very same thing, they'd be where Michael Cohen is today. That's right. And you... You've said that in a tweet Oh, absolutely, recently. absolutely, and I believe that. And I just want you to know that the opinion 
that everybody is relying on uh, that claims that you cannot indict a sitting president is not a constitutional law of any kind. Uh, it is an opinion uh, that is being relied on, and I just don't agree with that. Right. I, and I don't think it's been challenged in the Supreme Court, has it? I, I don't OLC know if it's opinion? been uh, challenged or not, but I do know that uh, it is an opinion, and it may have been born out of a case. I don't know. Do you think the American people are ready for impeachment hearings? I think so. I believe so. Seventy percent, I know, of the Democratic Party uh, that was polled um, believe that we should be impeaching. I think the people of the United States are waiting for leadership uh, from the Congress of the United States. I know that there are many people who say, well, you don't have the support of the Senate. Well, you don't know whether you have the support that is based on what you're able to unveil, what you're able to do, and what you're able to, how you're able to connect the dots, et cetera. That's the work uh, of impeachment. And I believe uh, that if we initiate the impeachment and we get to work and the, our staffs on the committees uh, must be strengthened, we've got to have more people, we've got to have people on the ground, we've got to have people traveling to Russia. I mean, you have to do the work. Uh, in order to really get impeachment done. And I think if that happens, the Senate will be uh, placed in a position where they'll have to pay attention to it. I am not convinced that we cannot get the support of the Senate with the right work. Ninety-five Democrats voted for the resolution yes. to, uh, to begin impeachment yes. hearings, uh, even though it didn't pass. Um, the House leadership is not part of that. That's right. Most of the House leadership. That's right. Not part of that 95? No. Are they dragging their heels? And why? Well, you know, Nancy Pelosi, who has a responsibility for trying to ensure uh, that the caucus uh, is uh, returned to uh, the, the, the Congress of the United States, the incumbents, uh, the people that she gets support from, the people who vote for her, on and on and on. Her responsibility is to do everything that she possibly can uh, to ensure that we are successful in the next election. And she sincerely believes that it is not yet in the best interest of us to do uh, the impeachment. I disagree with that. As you know, I started early mm -hmm. on, and I identified, uh, I think, for my colleagues and anybody else who would listen, I, I believe that this president was dangerous, uh, that he was creating division, that he was alienating our allies, and that uh, we should impeach him. It, I really believe that, and I started early saying that, and there's a disagreement. And you believe he, uh, you could make the case of high crimes and misdemeanors? Oh, absolutely. I think the, the Constitution gives us that responsibility. And the way that they described it, it really means for big things and for little things. It's for you to decide. High crimes and misdemeanors basically means I'm... The Constitution gives you the flexibility to decide whether or not this president is uh, dangerous for, you know, America, whether or not this president is uh, divisive, if this president is dishonest, if this president is uh, someone who is not acting in the best interest of the country, and you can prove it, should be impeached. Right. So now the ball is clearly in Congress's court. Always. That's right. right. I mean— the Mueller investigation is done. That's right. The report is out. That's right. Mueller has testified. That's right. And again, several members of the Judiciary Committee made that point. The only game now in town is Congress. So what would you like to see Congress do? 
Well, of course, because I have been a big supporter of impeachment ever since this president was inaugurated, I would like us to con continue down the road and open up the uh, at least the uh, impeachment inquiry and get started uh, with um, with doing the kind of investigatory work that needs to be done in order to get to impeachment. Uh, I know that the six committees that have oversight responsibility will continue the work that we're doing. For example, I'm financial services. Chairing that committee, I have the responsibility to follow up on the uh, financial services aspect of uh, this mm -hmm. uh, investigation. And so what I'm doing is I'm looking at um, Deutsche Bank, for example, who made tremendous loans to, to this uh, president. Deutsche Bank, who has been known uh, to have a money laundering reputation. And Deutsche Bank, uh, who finally um, uh, decided uh, that not only were they going to do business with, um, with Donald Trump, but they also decided that this was a way to build their brand because they thought they was dealing with a legitimate businessman. Got all wrapped up in it. And I do believe that there are illicit funds uh, involved uh, with, uh, with this president. I do believe there's money laundering that's involved with this president. And so I, um, we issued a subpoena to Deutsche Bank. And uh, the Trump lawyers, of course, uh, appealed. Uh, to the courts. We won the decision up in the Southern District of the New York uh, courts, and um, so they ha we can go forward with them having to comply with the uh, subpoena that we gave them. So we will have a hearing on that on the 23rd of August. What, some people are asking, why is it taking so long? Right. Well, we don't control the court calendar. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the judges have even had uh, a vacation uh, in the time that we have been seeking to get in the court to hear this on the merits. And so we have to go along with the calendar. Uh, uh, of course, the uh, Trump people uh, use every trick in the book, uh, use every motion that they can to slow it down. And we've been involved with them in trying to make sure uh, that we don't prolong it uh, by them continuing to file motions. So there have been some agreements that were made, uh, but we've, we've gone as fast as we could. Do you think the president is putting pressure on Deutsche Bank not to cooperate with you? Of course I think the president is putting pressure. Uh, the president puts pressure wherever he thinks he needs to put pressure. If you'll take a look at the way he treated Jeff Sessions, for example, this was, you know, the southern... Uh, conservative who came out in support of him before any other elected official, et cetera, et cetera. But when he did not agree, you know, to serve as a personal attorney uh, for this president and uh, undo whatever was being done in an investigation, he fired him. And so he doesn't care about anything or anybody. Probably did not come as a surprise to you when we learned uh, a couple of days ago that Donald Trump was not the only billionaire who was playing games with a Deutsche Bank. So was uh, his buddy, Jeff Epstein. Yes, I was surprised uh, because I had never thought about it. I just thought about this as being, you know, this uh, little circle of rich boys uh, who, uh, you know, use their money to gain a lot of privilege and who, you know, took advantage of women and all of that. But I'd never thought about the kind of connection here. Uh, I wonder if Trump introduced him, Epstein, to Deutsche Bank. I wonder how that connection got made. Uh, and, of course, I have to continue to wonder how far all of this goes. 
in terms of the relationship and uh, how they treated women in particular. Uh, and you're in a good position as chair of House Financial Services to look into that, yes. at which I know, which yes. I know that you will. You also may be in the best position to get a hold of t- Donald Trump's tax returns. What are you doing about well, that, actually, if anything? Well, uh, actually, Ways and Means have the responsibility to go after the tax returns. They are guaranteed in law and constitution that uh, they can do this. And, of course, he's resisted, uh, you know, claiming that he was under audit and all of that. And there are a lot of steps that you have to go through, which I think have just about been worked through uh, by our Ways and Means chair. But what's interesting is the state of New York yes. uh, took a vote, and the governor signed them to get access to the tax returns. And what I don't know at this point is whether or not our um, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee can access them also, or if the state of New York uh, in accessing his tax returns can only use them for their uh, benefit and their investigation. So I'm not so sure, Uh, but I do know that our uh, Ways and Means Committee, I think, have just about completed their work to get them also. Uh, Deutsche Bank is one of your targets. So is Facebook. Oh, yes. On a couple of fronts. Yes. Right? Privacy, for one. Absolutely. They are in control of all of this data, big data. And uh, they have information on all of our lives. And they monetize that. They make money uh, on our data. And uh, we have to be concerned about their ability to protect our data, uh, whether or not they're misusing our data. And, you know, they have been pretty arrogant in the way that they have managed Facebook. Uh, Facebook has been involved with the Russians and uh, helping them to formulate ads that target certain communities, and some in a bad way. Um, They haven't done well with diversity and inclusion. They don't hire many blacks in particular and minorities. Uh, And so I think it's time for them to be reined in. As of today, I understand there are a number of... uh, of suits that are being satisfied uh, with them having to pay huge sums of money. But I'm focused on them about cryptocurrency and the fact that they've created a new a cryptocurrency known as Libra, and they have something called Calibra, which is the organized effort. Uh, basically, we define it as the wallet for uh, Libra, and that they have organized 28 of the big businesses and uh, high-tech uh, corporations in this association that will all be a part of this effort, based in Switzerland, no doubt, headquartered in Switzerland, that will compete with the dollar. It's like we're taking over the world, and we're saying, oh, no, you're not. You better stop right now. What's what's the threat to the United States from this cryptocurrency? Well, I think it's a threat to the dollar. I think it will compete with the dollar. And the other thing is this. We don't know yet exactly what they are and everything that they intend to do. Should they be regulated like a bank? Are they going to be lending money? They kind of describe themselves as, um, you know, being involved with the transfer of money and being able to move money more quickly than the systems can do it now. Uh, But we're not sure what they are, and that's what we have to stop and find out who they are, what they are, how they're organized, how it all works. You have, as chair, proposed that they slow down or yes. at least maybe stop that's right while you investigate I want a moratorium 
I want a moratorium. Don't go any further. They've not agreed to a moratorium, but what they try to do is talk in ways to make you believe that they are going to do what you want them to do. Yes, we understand that it is important for us to have oversight and to work with the government. And so we are not attempting to do anything that would exclude uh, our interactions with the government so we can make sure uh, that we're in compliance, we're not uh, breaking any laws, on and on and on. They talk a good game, uh, but we've got to keep an eye on them. Uh, there's somebody else who is not a big fan of Facebook, um, and he is the president occupant of the Oval Office. Yes. Is this one area where you and Donald Trump might actually work together? Well, you know, whenever someone says that, I cringe uh, because <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I have um, sus such uh, disrespect for the president until it's hard to see myself aligned with him in any way. Of course, I think that uh, I'm going down the right track uh, with Facebook. I don't know what his intentions are. Oftentimes, he intends to cut a deal. Uh, you know, I don't know whether or not he's asking uh, for, you know, some involvement by Kushner or somebody. I don't know what he's up to. So I don't know if we're really aligned, but I know that I have real concerns about Facebook, and he said that he does too. We're talking with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee. We'll be right back. Again, we're talking with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee. And we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Girard. The United Steelworkers, America's largest industrial union, bringing manufacturing jobs back to the United States, representing 1.2 million active and retired members. We salute them for their good work and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Congresswoman, uh, good to see you again. Good Thanks so much for joining also. us. What was your reaction when you saw a tweet from President Trump telling four of your colleagues who happened to be women of color to go back where they came from? Well, you know, I thought this is not only racist, but this is what we would consider low down and dirty uh, because not only uh, did he make comments that cemented my feelings and anybody else who was listening uh, that he was indeed racist and he was willing to publicly uh, announce that kind of racism uh, because he thinks it's in his best interest uh, to be reelected. He believes that if he feeds to his constituency and those who will listen, that look at these women who come from other countries. They don't love America. They're not patriotic. They're not good for this country. And these are the people who are now getting elected to office. And so you can't support uh, this kind of effort by the Democrats. This is the face of the Democratic Party. It is such a dishonest and dirty way of uh, playing politics and such a racist way by which to uh, identify these women. First of all, it was only one woman of the four who was not born in this country, and she's a naturalized citizen, and the other three were all born in this country. And so, I mean, what if someone looked at him and looked at his wife and say, do you think that it's right for someone to tell your wife to go back to the country that she came from because they may disagree with her? I don't think he thinks about that, and he doesn't care about that. He thinks that this is... um, his passport to getting reelected by uh, attacking four women of color and making them seem as if they are the problem with what is going on, and he's got to save America from them and their kind. We talked a lot, uh, used to talk a lot about the Southern strategy of Richard Nixon. Yes. This is Donald Trump's Southern strategy, right. isn't it? That's I mean, right. which is basically the That's same right. strategy. It's the same strategy. The only thing about this, it is not defined and not confined to any one area of the country. He's going all over the country. He's going after those people up in Pennsylvania to expand uh, his reach there because he did well there. And all of those states, he wants to expand on that. He wants to pick up some more who maybe had some... Uh, kind of silent fears or misunderstanding, he's tapping into that. We talked recently with uh, Roland Martin, whom you know, a good friend and talk show host, who says this really shows that the entire strategy for 2020 of Donald Trump and the Republican Party is basically stirring up white fear. Oh, absolutely. White male, particularly Uh, white white male male fear. You know, what uh, many of us didn't understand in the very beginning was what he meant when he said, uh, you know, taking back this country, uh, basically, making America great again and all that. He was dog whistling, you know, to folks that, you know, we've gone too far with all of these people of color. We've gone too far with all these liberals. We've gone too far, you know, with, uh, with folks who don't think like us. 
and it's time for us to do something about it. Never again are we going to have a black president in this country. That's what he's saying. Uh, and you see uh, how we uh, went to sleep, and we allowed them to do too well. And those NFL players who are making all that money, those SOBs, he called them, that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what he's doing. He's speaking to them. Uh, and it seems among his supporters to be working. Well, I just read an article in the New York Times, uh, and I think it was about what people in Michigan, I think, were saying. And they were agreeing with him, and they're saying they're going to support him. Many of them who said, I voted for him and I'll vote for him again, I think there were even some who had not voted for him, or voted for Obama, uh, even, who are going to vote for him. So uh, it appears to be getting some traction. There are a lot of Democrats who say, okay, he may do some things that appear racist, but you can't call him a racist. I call Why him not? a racist. I call him that. There are many others who call him that. He defined himself. We didn't create it. He defined himself as a racist, and I think uh, he's done a thorough job of it. And for those people who would excuse him, it is either because they don't want to see, they don't want to know, they don't want to believe it, or because it's all right with them. Right. Um, I want to ask you again about, about, let's come back to, we call, they call themselves or somebody called the squad. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> four, uh, your four colleagues. Um, they certainly are, uh, they're freshmen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but they have, uh, they speak out. They yes. mind of their own. Yes. They organize. Yes. They don't, don't necessarily always vote with the leadership. Right. Is this good for the Democratic Party? Is this good for Democrats in the House? Or are they... Sowing a lot of division among Democrats. Well, here's what I think. I think that you have some younger people who are thinking differently about how the democracy should work. And I think that they're smart, and I think they come with the idea that they can make change. And I think you can't stop that. Uh, when you have the determination that we see in these young people and basically an understanding about how they're going to move forward uh, with electing others who think like them, I think that you should understand that uh, a new wave uh, has entered into this political arena and I, the question for us is, how can we work together? What can we do to show support uh, for their efforts? What can we do to be advisors in some case? What can we do to point out uh, things about the system that may give them a better understanding of it? And so I think that it is not about stopping them or denying them uh, what they really believe in and what they want to work for. It's about understanding uh, that something different is happening and what can we do to provide opportunities to work together. The one message that they seem to reject is, you just got here, you've got to wait your turn. Yeah. Right? Well, but... Uh, you that know, may have been true, probably was true when you came to Congress. Well, yes. I mean, I think it is a truism you know, of our society, uh, that, you know, we are socialized to believe that um, you look up to your elders, you take your place, uh, there's a learning period for you, and uh, you be quiet until you <laughs> are given uh, permission to speak. Of course, you know that's what we were all taught yeah. uh, to do in our homes, in our churches, what have you, but it's a new day. 
and it's a new way, and they don't think that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, it's another. It's a new way and a new day. Also, when you look at uh, the 2020 Democratic primary, we either have, depending on how many <laughs> who you count and who you don't, 23 or 24 Democrats. Who's your candidate? I don't have a candidate. What I have is the patience to watch the debates and to uh, understand exactly what our candidates are saying, what they really care about, and what they're willing to fight for. And I want to get rid of all the fluff. You know, there's a lot of fluff uh, when you have this many candidates all talking about so many issues, some that are coming up every day, uh, different issues, some that are taking a different spin on the same issue. And I think that for me, I've got to cut through all of that. And I've got to, because I am very focused on public policy rather than style. And uh, I'm very interested in those who can connect based on uh, not only their knowledge, but they're willing to take the time to put together good uh, public policy papers to explain how they're going to get things done. And so I'm watching very carefully and very closely. Uh, that sounds like you're for Elizabeth Warren. Well, she's one of them that I like. <laughs> <laughs> so not, not giving away any secrets here. She's one. Um, are you... Uh, how important is electability? Is that another thing you're looking for? Meaning well, yes, but, uh, you know... Somebody I, who can take it to Donald Trump and beat Donald Trump. Absolutely. Um, I think that's extremely important. He is um, a street fighter. He's a con artist. He's a slickster. And he's adept at using language in ways that connects with certain people. And so you can't have any fear of him. You can't be intimidated by him. Uh, and you have to be willing to, you know, to confront him and to call him out. And in the last election where he won, where you had Bush and all, they weren't ready for that. They didn't know how to deal with that. They had all the money that they needed. They, you know, was raised in political families, on and on and on. Had political experience, but they had never encountered having to deal with a Donald Trump. And I'm looking for somebody who uh, understands how to deal with him. And as a Californian, uh, that means you have not endorsed your Senator Kamala no, Harris. I have not endorsed my senator. She's doing well. Uh, she is right up there in the, uh, I think, three, in the in the <laughs> top three. She's raising uh, substantial sums of money, uh, and um, she is uh, doing it with strength, and um, uh, she is not to be taken lightly at all. So I'm going to end by circling back where we began and ask you if on impeachment. Yes. If the clock is running out, yes. meaning most a lot of people believe that 2020, you can't start impeachment hearings in an election right. year. That's right. Do you, do you agree with that? I basically believe that. I believe the clock is running on us, and I think that it's taken us too long. Uh, if they had started where I had started, we'd be over with them practically by now. But I, I think uh, the assessment that uh, getting into an election year doesn't work, and I, I basically believe that also. So we've got from Labor Day, maybe another month or so after Labor Day. I think we're getting dangerously close to the time when it's uh, too late. And I think we have to rely then on the election itself. I know one thing. I know you're not going to slow down. No, never. 
Yes. Congresswoman yeah. Maxine yes. Waters, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for spending time with us. It's so good to see you, Bill. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. And that's it for this special edition of the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you can find us wherever you go for your favorite podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And while you're there, please help us out by signing up, subscribing to the podcast, giving us a good review, a five-star review, and then tell all your friends to sign up as well, to subscribe as well. That's the only way we can get the word out and keep the keep growing the podcast. So thanks to all of you. Thanks especially to Congresswoman Maxine Waters. We'll see you on the next Bill Press Pod.